Thanks for tuning into this episode of FinTech Focus TV, powered by Harrington Star, the global leaders in financial technology recruitment. Head over to the Harrington Star website where you'll be able to find all the latest jobs in financial technology across the globe. You'll also be able to download the latest issue of the Financial Technologist magazine, including the Top 1% Workplace Awards. Finally, if you're looking to grow your team, please get in touch. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Focus TV, live here from Fintech Connect, where we're at uh, the Excel Center, speaking to some of the great founders that are on display here today. So Sabrina, lovely to have you coming on and joining Thank us. Thank you, Dobby. So I've been hearing a little bit before we come on air about Core Labs, some really exciting things you're doing. You're also launching a documentary here today. Yeah. So very excited to hear a little bit more about that. But before we get into that, and, and actually the founder's journey and some of the things that you're very passionate about within that as well, alongside product management within the financial services space and the issues we've got around there, we're going to pull the cord and let you go in a minute. I'm very excited to hear that, hear about all this as well. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself, Sabrina, and tell us a little bit about Core Labs. So I am a financial services veteran. I've been in financial services for over 30 years. I spent most of my career in banking, so on the dark side of finance, <laughs> really handling products, understanding propositions, and really understanding what are the key dynamics and the issues that we face in financial services. And then I found out that if you use technology, you can address those issues much faster, much better than with any other tool at your disposal. So I moved, I created Collabs. And uh, so I, I'm actually one of those founders. I had a career and then decided to be entrepreneurs. God knows what I was thinking. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I enjoy it. journey there, right? Oh, I enjoy it every day. It's exactly where I should be right now. And I think there is a value in having that deep, inside view in financial service and then trying to fix the yeah, problem. Yeah. So we are definitely a, a company that hasn't built technology. We built technology around a problem that we understand very well, that is very common, and uh, that we think absolutely deserve to be solved. What we do, we do digital product management. So financial services manage all type of products. They come in all shape and forms, thousands of products sometimes. Product is very collaborative, so you may have 30 to 40 departments collaborating for over, sometimes for decades, over a product, a mortgage, a pension, an insurance policy. And that means that people make decisions. They make decisions every day. Some are small decisions, some are big decisions. Unfortunately, because products are heavy regulated, all of those decisions can be catastrophic for an organization. Yes. So if you think about the size of the problem and how bad it is if things go wrong, you would immediately assume that financial services use fantastic digital tools to manage product, the product life cycle. And I can guarantee you, because I know, <laughs> that one of the most advanced tools that we use is Excel. Yeah. So that problem was, was just screaming for a solution. And we have a solution. It works. It's fantastic. We have clients here today speaking to the audience and say, yeah, we love it. It works for us. And so I'm really interested in this sort of space because, because when you're there and you've been on that sort of side and you've got the frustration, that, that to me is where the best companies are born. 
when they've seen it, they've walked it, they've felt the pain of it, et cetera, et cetera, and they come through and then deliver solutions around that sort of thing. What I've, I'm also really interested by is actually people's appetite to change that particular issue. So sometimes you say, right, yes, we know it's a burning issue, we'll go through all that sort of thing, and they, then they caught in this procurement cycle afterwards and not being able to say that on board. Procurement. <laughs> yeah. The bane of every founder, right? You mentioned there's clients here today who've, who are you know, breathing massive sighs of relief to be involved in what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, you're launching the documentaries, you say, today, finding out a little bit more about what you've been doing. Yeah. Tell me about the appetite and, and you know, Look, how people have taken it. The appetite on. is enormous. When we go and speak with our clients, very often our ex-colleagues, or people that we know, have been in this business for over a quarter of a century. Yeah. We don't need, you're pushing an open door, they desperate for a solution. Unfortunately, the DNA of financial services is very much, it's ingrained around, we need to build it in house. Oh, it's going to be difficult. There's a, there's a very, we, we're not designed, financial services is not designed for fintech. Mm. What we do, we go into uh, this long process called procurement, you know, risk assessment on the fintech, and we are our best advocates in the business. But the business wants us to go through, we want to go through, and if somebody is listening here, there are ways to create a quick process for fintech. Yeah. Uh, we sometimes procurement is not long because they don't understand us. It's because the system just works like this. And if you are Salesforce, it's fine. But if you are a small fintech, time means money. Exactly. We do not have working capital facilities. Yeah. For us to wait an extra month is a problem. Yeah. So what about even small things? Last saying, yeah, you have a fast track. For a fintech, there is a fast track. Yeah. Or we'll pay you after 30 days, not 60 days. Yeah. These are small levers that can be used by banks or asset managers or insurance companies and can make a hell of a difference for us more fintech. I absolutely agree. I think there's two things. I think on one hand, fintechs can do better at understanding who they're selling to and the process around that. Because I do think sometimes they've then got to go back and do things which they didn't necessarily expect, which is just natural for a bank where there are necessary sort of levers for them to go through and regulatory-wise and everything else like that. But alongside it, I 1 million percent agree with you that make it easier, make the process slip slicker. And it doesn't have to be 60-day payment terms, as you say, that can make these whole things there. there. And that's not the only point of friction in this whole process, right? We were talking beforehand about the sort of un unrepresented or underrepresented founders as well. Yes. And this is, a, you know, this is something which we see regularly. There's some fairly compelling data I know you want to share as well about yes. the, the sort of upsides of underrepresented founders and what it means. But tell us a little bit about your sort of journey and, and your thoughts on that. My well. journey is I tick all the diversity boxes. Yeah. I, I am a foreigner. I'm old. I'm a single mum. I'm a woman. I go all the sins. And it's very difficult for people like me to be funding, despite yeah. I am an insider in financial services. So I feel for those for the other founders that maybe don't have the benefit of having that network or understanding how to navigate the industry, especially in terms of investors. So yes, I was giving you some figures that I think are shocking. Mm. And the figures are, if you're black, there's only 1% of funding that will go to you. If you're a woman, you only get 
Mm. Now, that figures can be massaged up a little bit mm. if you include in that, uh, in that number of people also women, for example, that start their own company. They, are, they don't have a company, but they are sole traders because okay. lots of women just yeah. work for themselves. But if you actually think about companies that have uh, an ambition to, to have people on payroll, then it's less than 2%. Okay. And what is really, so a couple of things. When the market is difficult, like this year, we suffer more than the fund, any other category. The, the, the funding market. Yes. When the funding market, it's for two reasons. First of all, because people get defensive. Mm -hmm. So when you're defensive, you, you tend to stick to the people that look like you. The unconscious bias mm -hmm. just is, it reigns. Mm -hmm. And another thing that happens is, a lot of funds out there, they pumping money into their existing investments because those investments may not do well at the moment and because those are 98% what you expect, you know, then, then there's even less money available for people like me. And again, as I was speaking with banks before, I would like to speak with funds and say to them, there is absolute, complete statistical evidence that if you invest in an underrepresented founder, and most likely you will make 30% more in terms of your return. Which isn't sure all that. So, how do you justify that to your LPs? Why, why do you think that is? It's a complete unconscious bias. It starts. I mean, as in, on, the, on the flip side, I understand the sort of unconscious bias piece, but I'm, I'm talking about the sort of 30%. Yeah, because return. we're survivors. Yeah. Because that's going to play into completely. it. Completely. Because we are resilient. Because if you have to get 98 no before you get a yes, mm. and you have to go through the process, unless you're super resilient, you, you don't get there. Yeah. So once you get there, when you get the attention of people that are not designed really to think about you as a founder, that means that you, you can do everything. Yeah, yeah. So you tend to do better. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense, doesn't it? And so we were talking about what we do about that sort of scenario, because that's not a new play, is it? You come through and you built a com company, I don't know if you bootstrapped, if you arranged, or wherever I, it goes. I partially bootstrapped. My clients help me, so I, I was so happy I managed to bootstrap in the first two or three years. Fantastic. When, uh, when money is very expensive, yeah. and then I found some fantastic investors that really understood what we were doing. Yeah. That's some financial services veterans who understand the problem, understand why we need the solution. Yeah. So you went there with the right sort of thing. So if we're looking at it as an industry and saying, like, what can both sides actually do better to improve that sort of scenario, how, what would you say would be the, the key things to help us walk the talk in that sort of thing and improve okay. that situation? Communication uh, is one of them. Having these sort of conversations is one of them. Raising awareness. Yes, I, I'm an investment banker by background. I think we've done a lot of speaking. Yeah. We should measure. Yeah. If I think about how I grew up and my story in financial services, you need to have a goal. You need to measure what happens. Mm. You cannot simply put your signature in a document that says, I'll, I'll change. There needs to be some measurement. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just, just narrative. Yeah. And in fact, it's kind of counterproductive because people like, like me, underrepresented founders, they start, there is an, an element of, I want to use a difficult word, but it's, it's hypocritical. Mm. So there is a reaction, we, we, we just don't listen anymore. I mean, well, so it's, a, it's a problem we've got to solve and uh, I'm so pleased that you're getting that sort of uh, momentum and you're passionate about what's happening today. If we're talking about Core Labs itself, tell me something you're really excited about in 2024, what we can expect to hear from it, 
And who should be getting in touch with you and how should they do it? Thank you. <laughs> so Core Labs, we have obviously the website, so it's Collabs, K-O-R-E, labs.co, and you can get in contact with us through the website or stop me here today at the conference. I'm very excited because I think for many years there has been a huge blind side in financial services. And the blind side has been about completely denying that there was a need for a specialized solution yeah. for digital fund management. And I think now the industry is seeing that it's, it's, it's important, it's fair, it's important for customers to give the product managers the tools that they need. Yeah. Please don't ask product manager yet again to work on Excel or to use a tool that has been designed as a CRM or as a, a tool for developers. Just use something that is specific for yeah. them. They deserve it. For the manager occupied, they have lots of liability, they're tired, they need core. And I think in 2024, we will make a lot of noise. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to hear that. I'm, I'm, I'll be pleased to launch this now and uh, shout about it as well. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Thank show. You, Toby. Thanks for coming on, and we will see you soon on the next episode of FinTech Focus TV. Thanks a lot.